break it all down like it's just a series of five and 10k runs it's not if you don't look at it as being two and a half thousand kilometers then it's not it's just a series of small sections (laughs) glued together I actually started in the ocean with my little naked feet in the water (laughs) and began running on the beach. That was pretty cool, like to to actually be like, I'm in the ocean. This is the edge of the continent and I'm going to run all the way across. Yeah, so it's the girl who ran across Africa. It's a picture book aimed at two to six year olds. So it's all very bright colours. There's some bits about geography, bits about culture, bits about running in the different heat that I ran in. The main part of the story is about getting to that point where you struggle on something. It could be, you know, a kid learning to read and write. You know, you get to a point where you struggle, but actually you just have to keep working at it, keep working at it, and then you will achieve your goal. Hi, my name is Michelle Lewis. Ten years ago, you'd have been lucky to see me run to the end of the road. These days, running is second nature to me. From marathons to park runs to putting my own running group through their paces, you'll often see me in suitably loud attire, getting ready to pound the pavements. And here's a secret. If I can do it, you can too. There's so many wonderful and inspiring stories in the world of running. And not just running, some of my favourite tales involve those who take to their wheelchairs, bikes or simply their own trusty feet in an attempt to get fitter, faster or just have some fun. In this podcast, I'm going to be in conversation with some of the most inspiring and fascinating of these people. Remember, it's your time, your speed, your way. The only person you need to keep up with is yourself. Welcome to this week's Running Tales podcast. On this episode, I'm excited to speak to a runner who likes an adventure and breaks world records. Emma Timmis, the first person in the world to run across Africa and in 2017 completed the longest journey by elliptical bike in a single country. Let's find out about Emma's running tale. Emma, when did it all start? Um, not like young school uh when I was about 12 years old my PE teacher saw me just running around like doing a warm-up in the sports hall and she pulled me over after the class and I thought I was in trouble for something and she was like I think you've got a talent with running so you should join a running club we didn't have any athletics at my school because we were in the city center and she was just like oh there's a running club that you can go and join I think you should go and join it and then I just ignored her for a while and thought, ah, don't want to do that. I want to just like muck around and be a kid. So then maybe a year or so later, then I was like, actually, you know, maybe I'm going down the wrong path. If I keep going this way, it's going to be bad. So let's go back the direction my PE teacher was saying. And yeah, so I got into running like 12, 13 years old. So was that on the track or was it like the rest of us on cross country getting muddy on a winter afternoon? <laughs> there, was, there was definitely a mix, but um, it was predominantly a track club that I ran with. But that, I didn't really excel at that, to be honest. They were all too fast for me. and It was too short. I preferred the cross country and I love getting a bit dirty and running around in the mud and whatever. So that was like right up my street. From there then, what happens, you know, when it got to your 20s and... Yeah, so I I ran kind of for most of my teen years. 
you know, did all the same stuff most teenagers do, going out drinking and whatever, and that distracted me for a while. And then I dabbled in triathlon a bit, but realised that I'm terrible at swimming, like really horrendous at swimming. So didn't really excel with that. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm with you there. <laughs> I think runners and swimmers are quite different, aren't they? Exactly. So then, yeah, I suppose I kind of got back into it around about 20 after like messing around a bit and traveling a bit always I kind of just always used running as a way to maintain my fitness you know like just a general fitness not specifically to race or anything so yeah all through my 20s I I ran and sometimes ran with the running club but I had quite a lot of anxiety about racing and people in running clubs really love to race they're like when they're training they're like oh what race are you training for and you know, it's all about the race. And I, yeah, it didn't really sit with me that well at the time, just because I struggled with anxiety with racing. So I didn't really enjoy doing it. And then it was kind of towards my later 20s that I came up with the idea of doing like a big run across the country. And that grabbed my attention a lot more than the racing angle. What made you, I know this is the Africa one, yes. Uh, Was it the Freedom Trail one first that you did? Uh, yeah yeah can you just explain what the freedom trail is it's not a trail like you might think um like a hiking trail in the uk it's not marked out there's no there's no directions or anything that are there and obvious you can't follow anything it's actually it's a mountain bike race that happens once a year and the mountain bike race is in winter so very different conditions to the summer conditions that i ran in and the guy that founded the mountain bike race he the way that he actually decided upon the route was that he ran the freedom trail so he he basically set out to run it and figure out if it was cyclable to become the cycling race so when i heard about the trail i decided that i wanted to run it and i contacted the guy and said just wondering if anyone's ever run this before and he was like well actually yeah I did and that's how it all kind of came about so then I, then oh, I just thought wow. well, if, if he can do it there's no reason I can't do it so and then what was your longest distance before then I don't think my memory's getting bad as I get older I don't think I'd run a marathon before then um I definitely done a half I did a half marathon and I had gone out and done a full day of running I ran the sandstone trail which is in Cheshire and I think that's it's more than a marathon distance it's like 35 miles but I just did it over a whole day it wasn't a race I didn't do a marathon as most people would think of a marathon as an actual race so So, and you just thought from doing that distance oh yeah I can run you know across the country I think I just I just thought you could break it down which is actually you know it's right isn't it you do you just break it all down like it's just a series of five and ten k runs it's not if you don't look at it as being two and a half thousand kilometers then it's not it's just a series of small sections (laughs) glued together (laughs) wow so so how many days does it take you to finish the freedom trail uh that was 57 days so you've gone from like running like less than a marathon 57 days of constantly running your your body how did it cope well actually so leading up to the freedom trail run i i think i overtrained actually so 
I was working a full-time job and I was planning for the run and I was fundraising and organizing everything and basically doing everything towards this because it was just me on my own really my brother joined me to carry my kit cycling next to me but really it was I did that's what brothers are for yes (laughs) yeah he's a good one um so in amongst all of that I did training that was very much similar to what I did when I was running out there which was just like putting in runs before work after work like chunks here and there to add up to do it and I just think I did too much I did about nine months of training leading up to it and yeah I think I think I overdid it so that actually by the time I got there my body was quite tired oh Um, so then when it came to doing my bigger African run I actually trained less and just kind of focused on more time on my feet because essentially that's what you're doing is just spending a lot of time on your feet and your feet need to get used to it but actually I didn't feel that for me I needed such high mileage okay so you did the the freedom trail and then did you go straight into it was a couple of years didn't it wasn't it before you went on to the big Africa or did you do anything in between or what got gave you that big Africa idea interesting story because it's probably not what most people would think um so after doing the freedom trail I was pretty tired and worn out and I was just like well that's kind of my adventure for my lifetime I'm gonna just go back to being normal I'm gonna settle down have like a sensible content life like I don't need to do this stuff anymore (laughs) that's that's my bit done like (laughs) I've done my bit of adventure the rest is just gonna be like enjoying life so Went back home, just went back to work. I'd just taken time off work to go out to South Africa. So back into work, back into my normal life. I do a lot of rock climbing. So got back into my climbing, enjoying doing that. And then went to the Banff Film Festival. Are you familiar with that? In Canada, yep. Is that the one? Yeah, the film festival travels around the UK as well. And they play all of the films that are in the film festival so me and a friend of mine went to the film festival when it was in Stockport and they played all these films of people doing adventurous stuff and when it finished we realized that it was all about men doing adventures there was nothing about any women doing adventures and there was even a movie about a dog doing an adventure okay lassie it was it was it was something about this tiny little dog i can't remember what it was but you know and you're like wow this is not a true representation there are women out there doing stuff and we're just not being shown so the girl that i went to see that with she didn't know about my south africa run and i told her about it and she was like wow well i'm involved with a charity in zimbabwe would you be interested in doing a bigger run across the whole continent of Africa? If I do all the organization, you just need to run it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, wow. drank a bit of tequila by this point. Um, and I was like, yeah, of course, no worries. <laughs> she was like, cool, organize it. And that's how that one came about. That was meant to be then just the two of you in the same place watching these films you're you were destined to be this person to do these achievements wow then the tequila worn off he woke up and thought was that conversation real what happened next we, we both thought that the other was going to drop out 
so I was like, oh, she won't really want to do the organization of all of that because it's not really much fun. And she was thinking, oh, Emma probably won't want to do that running. That's not much fun. And both of us just kind of kept going and going, thinking uh. that the one out, but then neither of us did. And yeah, next thing we knew, we're, we're in Namibia, ready to run across the continent. And what, out of curiosity, because she was, you know, the first person to do it but not only the first person the first woman did you get a lot of media coverage being honest you know was you seen as a joke or was you seen as someone serious yeah you know a serious contender that could do this um I don't feel that there was that much media coverage generally about it so yeah I think what I find generally is when I speak to people, obviously not people like yourself that speak to lots of runners. If you speak to just somebody generally in the street and I tell them that I've done the kind of things that I have, or if I was telling them that I'm about to do something, they almost just either think you're slightly confused or you've said the wrong word or you're a bit delirious. Yeah. <laughs> I think people don't really, it's, it's kind of out of people's comprehension to do something so large. So to, to let people know, how long did it take you to go across Africa? So the full continent of Africa was 3,974 kilometres, which is just a lot easier to say it's nearly 4,000. <laughs> yeah. um, and it took me eight or nine days to cover the equivalent of 94 marathons. Wow. And obviously, I know you said you cut back on your training before you did this, but obviously you was doing marathon a few marathons in that time just to get a, a feel that's a good question actually now I'm wondering if I did ever do a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> oh I think I did because I actually I did a really cool marathon actually in Wales uh the midnight mountain marathon it's really cool you start quite late in the day and you have to finish by midnight okay um yeah it's real beautiful never heard well. of that one yeah, I wonder if it's still on. It, it was by a company called Brutal Events. I think they're still around. I'm sure I'm on their mailing list. But whether that one is still around, I don't know. But it was real good. So that was, I think I did that marathon distance. But other than that, I was going out and just kind of doing the amount of time on my feet, trying to cover like the hours rather than the distance. And I think I also did, as a fundraiser, I set up a treadmill in um, the Arndale Centre in Manchester and ran. I think I did 50 kilometers on a treadmill, which is not fun. I don't know if you've done much treadmill running, but it's I, I don't, I don't know. Treadmill always hurts my knees. I, I seem to be a lot heavier, so I just avoid them. <laughs> yeah. It's not fun. It's not. And the joy of running is being outside and seeing different scenery and treadmill. I just get bored. So no, I haven't been on one for years and I don't intend to go on one. So sorry to all those listeners that love treadmills, but not for me. <laughs> not for me. You're, you're in Africa, day one, and you've, you've got your laces, got all your gear ready. What was that first day like? Because, you know, the scenery, the, it's just out of this world. It must be. Yeah. So when I did my South Africa run, I always tell people that I ran across South Africa and if you're not pedantic, I did run across South Africa, you know, I ran from one side to the other, but I didn't start in the ocean and finish in the ocean. I didn't cross every inch of the country and 
I always just, I just always worry that someone's going to pick on, pick up on something and be like, oh, you didn't do this correctly or whatever. So when I did the Africa run, I was quite pedantic about it. And I was like, I want to make sure that I run every inch of the way across this continent. So I actually started in the ocean with my little naked feet in the water <laughs> and began running on the beach. So that was pretty cool. Like to, to actually be like, I'm in the ocean. This is the edge of the continent. And I'm going to run all the way across. Um, obviously, we all know running on a beach is hard work. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And then you get the trainers on. And then, like, did you get any attention from local people? Or was it quite quiet because it was just open land? Yeah, super quiet. It was like a small little village that we started in. So wasn't really anybody around, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And how did you cope mentally to think, oh, my God, I've got, like, 90 plus or you know it took 89 days but at that point did you know it was going to take you 89 days no i estimated it would take 100 wow so you was 11 yeah. days shorter than you expected yeah do you think it was the boredom or not boredom but the, the you had so much thinking time that you was like i've got to hurry i just gotta rush yeah. through this day once you get to halfway you kind of feel like okay we've been out here for a long time it would be nice to like have a bed and have the comforts and not be doing this all the time and also your body gets used to it so you can cover more distance every day so I definitely picked it up in the second half kind of knowing that you know the end isn't too far away let's get it get it done Come on. <laughs> um, and what was like the heat how do you I'm not a heat person um, even though I've run a few marathons in boiling hot weather not the heat that you were used to in Africa how did you adjust oh well I've I've never liked the cold like I, I swear I wasn't born to be in Britain like, I mean, <laughs> oh, right. no, but I'm in New Zealand now for this interview. This is where I live now. And I just, I've never coped very well with the British weather. Like I get cold really easy. I'm one of those people that like, I start to go blue if I'm in water for too long. I, I think I'm born to be in Africa. <laughs> <Or somewhere>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in New Zealand now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the heat didn't get to me too much. Pretty wow. much everyone in the support team, well, everybody, including myself, got ill at some point that was mostly related to the heat or the hygiene. And I was probably the least affected. I, I think I cope with heat really well. I really enjoy the heat. Um, I did a marathon over here a few years ago and it just happened to be a really, really hot day and loads of people were complaining about how the heat affected their performance in the race. But for me, I was just like, the heat was perfect. I loved it. I think it was perfect. So I think I, I think naturally, whether it's genetics or whatever, I don't know. I think I work well with the heat. So doing things in hot countries is not a problem for me. I really enjoy it actually. And you were saying that you were ill, but not, you know, as bad. Did that affect the days that you, so did you take time out in the 89 days? Yeah, so oh, wow. I think in the beginning parts of the run, I only had perhaps like a few hours where I just felt a bit ill and I would lie down. But then as I was approaching the end, like literally when I started to see the the road signs with the distance on and you're thinking oh I can start counting down now I remember 
in fact, I have a photograph of it. There's a sign. So I finished in a place called Pemba and there was a sign for Pemba and it was 213 kilometers. And by this point, I know I could easily do 70 kilometers a day. And I got so ill that I couldn't, I could barely walk. And I was just like, oh, oh no. I'm close. I'm so close. I can basically smell the end. And I just, <laughs> I got so ill that, yeah, there was no moving. I had to have a whole day off where I just lay on the floor all day and shuffled to the long drop toilet. <laughs> oh, no. You picked up and then was you doing 70 kilometers a day yeah, to get so to out that in three days? Yeah. And then when you took your trainers off, feet in the other ocean, what was that yeah. feeling like? Oh man, such a big relief. Um, you must have been on the yeah. high. Yeah, on both of my runs, I've kind of experienced a similar thing, which is probably quite a strange thing for people to get their heads around. Because I guess you expect that there's going to be this huge climax of you get to the finish line and you're going to be like, wow, this immense feeling of pride and joy and relief and all of these emotions. Like, this is what I expected anyway, that there was going to be this emotion that was going to be overwhelming. But actually, on both of my runs, I've kind of felt that maybe 20 Ks before the end. But then I've been like, oh, I'm just going to I'm going to bottle my emotion because I want to feel it really big at the end. So you don't let that like emotion that you start to feel come out. And then you get to the end and you don't feel it and then you're like oh slightly that, disappointed I thought I was gonna have this huge rush of emotion um so there was no tears or nothing of joy it was like all right I've done it now <laughs> <laughs> oh there was definitely the I don't have to get up tomorrow morning and put my trains on this is great um I guess it's just I think it's probably from seeing all the movies and all the stuff we kind of brainwashed with where there's this beautiful ending that we expect there's going to be something way more immense than actually what comes in the end. But so, do, do you think also it's the fact, I get the impression, maybe I'm wrong, that you, you didn't have the big like celebration that if you did something like that in the UK, there would have been over there I get the impression you would have done it and it would just been your support team so you haven't got that big wow yeah exactly so I think people are something that makes an event you know any kind of event whatever you're doing it's the people that you're surrounded with that really make it special and yeah it was just me and the support team I was very fortunate that a hotel let us run through their hotel and onto the beach which is where I finished and they let us stay in the hotel for the night for free as a congratulations. Oh, wow. that was really lovely. Equally, they're all just strangers, you know, and it wasn't, they probably couldn't really comprehend what I'd done and they wouldn't have felt the emotion that we felt. So yeah, it was, it, it was definitely not that big congratulations that you would get if you had all your friends and family around. And what was it like when, did you come back to the UK afterwards? So I had already had my flights booked, which is why I knew that it had to be less than 100 days. <laughs> to do uh, yeah, true, because of visas and stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my flights to come home. So I flew home on Christmas Day, um, but that was two weeks after I'd finished. So I finished early and then had two weeks just like to enjoy a bit of time in Mozambique, which was quite cool. And yeah, flew home and then saw my friends and family. But, you know, that was also very low key because it's Christmas. Everyone's everyone's got commitments to do things at Christmas. And because I didn't know definitely when it was going to finish or you can't really guarantee you're even 
definitely going to complete it. So nothing was arranged in advance. I had a little celebration with some friends a few months later. But yeah, I guess, you know, it all kind of subsides after that as well. So does it feel nice for you, um, you know, a few years ago, Brendan Rendell, who we've had on the podcast, that he did the same as you? That, yeah. Is that how you two met? Yeah, so after I'd done my run, he sent me a message just saying, I'd really love to go for a coffee and chat to you about your run. And I think he sent me quite a few messages. And in the end, I was like, oh, he's obviously... <laughs> yeah, he's not a stalker. He's not a weirdo. He's obviously quite genuine. Uh, um, so yeah, let's go for a coffee. <laughs> I think at first he didn't really tell me why. He was just like, oh, I'd love to talk to you about your run. Um, and I was like, okay. And then eventually it kind of came out that he was thinking of doing some big runs and he wanted to talk about it. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to give you as much advice as you want. Um, so his first run was running the length of Malawi and I'd run through Malawi. So we chatted a bit about that. And yeah, so then his second big run was kind of very similar to my Africa run, um, starting and ending in similar places, but not exactly the same and taking a similar route through, but not exactly the same. Um, yeah, very, very, very similar though. And it's, yeah, it's super cool that someone else has done something. Is he the only one you know that's done it? Other than you? There was another guy, I don't know if you're aware of, there was a guy that attempted it um, at the beginning of this year, but he had some struggles throughout his run. I think he had an injury or something. And then basically it all got shut down with COVID. Oh, no. And that must be really soul-destroying to have put everything into it and then have something like that bring it to an end but you know I think he's actually I think he's planning on doing Cairo to Cape Town at some point soon the same time as Brendan oh yeah okay so yeah they're both racing aren't they down that was a big challenge yes (laughs) attempting to do the same kind of run that me and Brendan had done but yeah it unfortunately didn't 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 finish does it feel good to be like yeah I'm the first person I'm female to to do it (laughs) Because you always, like you said, especially as a runner, you always hear the men doing it first, the men achievements. It's very rare you hear the women. You know, I spoke last week with Mena. Do you know Mena? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and she was saying about New Zealand, and it was only just by chance that I met Mena um, when I went to cheer Brendan on after his Chester Zoo. And it was the same thing again. It was like being a female, you know, myself. I was like, wow, why, is, why wasn't men as celebrated? I know we had COVID, but this is massive, you know, running across New Zealand and breaking world records. And then that's how I found out about you. I was like, why? These women, why are they not out there? Yeah. This is the frustration that we all have. <laughs> yeah, and, and are you... I used to really feel like I wasn't very comfortable being in the limelight and I didn't really want any attention for my run. So I kind of always used to think, you know, we definitely need more women in the media to show young girls that this is possible and to show young boys that women can do this stuff. But it's not a place for me. I don't want to do it. I'll leave it to other people. And then actually in the last few years, I've kind of been thinking, you know what, I need to get over myself 
because it's not about me it's about other people and I do want young girls to see that I've done these things and that it's possible putting a bit of confidence and putting myself out there and if that helps the future generations then I'm prepared to do that now so and just leading to that you have started doing a book haven't you which so you are focusing on the younger generation yeah so um Today, I picked up the first proof of my book. Oh, okay. So exciting. Yeah. And do you want to tell us about your book? Yeah. So my book is titled The Girl Who Ran Across Africa. And it's a children's picture book. I wish I haven't got it in this room. If I'd got it in the room, I could show you. Um, Maybe I can send you some photos afterwards for you to have a look at. And yeah, so it's The Girl Who Ran Across Africa. It's a picture book aimed at two to six year olds. So it's all very bright colours. There's some bits about geography, bits about culture, bits about running in the different heat that I ran in. Um, The main part of the story is about getting to that point where you struggle on something. It could be, you know, a kid learning to read and write. You know, you get to a point where you struggle, but actually, you just have to keep working at it, keep working at it, and then you will achieve your goal. And that's kind of the moral behind the story, which I think is quite nice for little kids. Um, yeah, so I finished, I've written it and illustrated it, and it's about me. <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> no, no, but this is brilliant. And I love the fact that you have targeted a young age group, yeah. because, you know, it it'll, it will be a book that you know you've got the animals you've got you know a female runner you you know it's 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 about you know like you said going through struggles but are you gonna write a book for us adults because there's people like me that you know started later on running in life and we hear about you know yourself and Mena and just think we, we need you out there, you know, what made you drive you to inspire us? Yeah, you know what, I, I thought of, crossed my mind about it today. So people have been asking me for years if I was going to write a book. And at first I thought I would do, but then I'm not very good at writing and I don't enjoy it. And I think that's oh. the main thing that I have really thought about since doing, since illustrating this kid's book. So I've written the kids book that wasn't massively difficult and I got an editor to look at it but you know it's a five minute read so the editor hasn't had to do masses um but I enjoy drawing and I enjoy painting and I've just spent the last four months kind of drawing and painting all day every day to the point where it's been stressful you know I love it and I enjoy it but it's been stressful and I was kind of thinking today wow if I had have instead chose to write a book for adults how would I be feeling right now? Well, I probably wouldn't have actually finished by now, but because I don't enjoy it, I think you, I just don't think I'd have that same love and that joy that I have now looking at the proof that I've got of my kid's book. I'm like, wow, you know, these are my pictures. I've made this, I've brought it to life. And I'm really excited about sharing that story, but I'm not really, the written word is not my thing. So maybe I just leave that for the people that are good at that, which is not me. No, but like, you know, like you said, you've targeted children and like just to think in the future, you know, you could have, you could be that inspiration of a young little girl running and you're just like, wow, that'll be my book. You know, hopefully you hear about it because <laughs> you're still young yourself. But I still, I still remember my favourite kids books from when I was exactly. a kid. 
No, I don't know if you remember like the tiger who came to tea. That oh, was, yeah, like, that's still out as well now, isn't it? They've yeah. talking about it recently. Yeah, so, I remember that, and I just think, how cool would that be if a little girl or a little boy pick up my book and they read it, and then like 20 years later, they still remember that book and they remember that story? That would be really cool. Yeah, but and they think. I can do this and it's all because of your book you know so if they're like oh you know I remember my mum saying oh you know that girl Emma she still ran when she did this so you can do your maths homework you know and I did my maths homework you know how cool would that be you know just that they overcome some obstacle that they've got whether it's big or small doesn't matter that's that's just so inspiring but you know we've talked a lot about Africa but you, you you are bonkers and I have to ask, I have to ask, how did the, and I'm, I'm most probably pronouncing the word wrong, the elliptical bike, please, yeah, no. I, I even had to Google going, what the hell is this? You know, what made you break the record of the longest yeah. journey in a country in Australia on one well, of these bikes? Yeah, so just before I answer your question, if you ever get to have a go on one, just do it. Like, the feeling you get, is amazing so you know obviously you're a runner so that buzz that you get from running imagine that doubled up with the feeling you got as a kid when you first rode a bike down a hill like imagine those two feelings together and that's what you get when you're on the elliptigo okay so, in a way that probably answers your question because that's why i wanted to do it because it's just so cool like you get the runners high but you also get the, yay, I'm on a bike kind of thing. And what made you pick Australia? Is it because, oh, wow, this is a continent that's flat. I can easily do it or? I would have been wrong if I thought that because actually there's so many hills. Um, but so what I realised was that all of my challenges that I'd done before had been like landlocked. And I kind of thought, you know what, the coast is really cool. I'd really love to explore a coastline. And for some reason, I was looking at like Southeast Asia. And then I realized that the roads are not always very good. And to ride an elliptigo on the road, you need pretty good road quality. Um, like, you, yeah, stones and things kind of get in the mechanisms. So you need good quality roads. And then I just thought, oh my God, like Australia has the world's best coastline. So why not explore it and did you have to fill out all the forms and everything to break to, to yeah. for the guinness book of records for that there or? was so much paperwork like seriously <laughs> yeah i guess men have probably said that to you like the amount she of did yeah the amount of paperwork just yeah. to ride. yeah you, it's not to be taken lightly <laughs> if you want to get a guinness world record be prepared for paperwork and you also then or did you do it before the roller skating across the Netherlands? It, oh, you, yeah, that was. Um, I like that, that idea. I actually own roller skates as well, but I mean, I'm quads. That's something I had to ask you. Was it quads or, or blades? Yeah. Good quads. girl, good girl. Yeah, like roller derby ones. Yeah, and what made you do that across the Netherlands? Yeah, so that was that was just after my big Africa run. So all the training and preparation and stuff in advance of my big Africa run was quite full on. And I really wanted to show people that you can have a really cool adventure that can be like pretty cheap, close to home, something that you don't have to be an elite athlete for. 
and like I'd not done any roller skating since I was a kid and then I just got some roller skates and learned to do it again um I just wanted to show that you know you don't have to go and run across an exotic continent or anything no you can just you can go and do something fun and have an adventure and it was great it was really cool it was just like me and my best mate Emily just hanging out being daft wearing like flower power leggings roller skating across this country Love just it. eating food as well like we just ate constantly um, but you've burned the calories wheeling around so yeah. not too bad <laughs> please tell me you had the occasional wine as well you know well emily doesn't really drink so i think i probably had some beers but yeah so are you gonna do <laughs> are you gonna do a book on these adventures as well you know it's like well, follow-ups yeah. i would like great yeah i'd like my kids books become a series of yeah of all of these and all having a different moral yeah I think that's what I'm quite keen for is that each each adventure is fun and like show some cultural stuff and geographical stuff but also a little moral that goes along with it yeah so I've, I've I've picked on like three major ones that you've done but you've done a lot more but you have got a website so if anyone's interested Emma do you want to share that website so they can see where the rest of your adventures are yeah, just head to emmatimis.com. Just going back on your running, just a few bits of curiosity I want to know. So what's your favourite treat after these events? Like, what's the must-have? Especially if you're in a foreign country. You're like, oh, I've got to have, like, what, salt and vinegar crisps? I've got <laughs> McDonald's? Have I got homemade apple pie? What's your treat that you've got to have? No, you know what, you probably like dipped into it a minute ago with the wine <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, you know quite often when I'm running I'm thinking oh I just want to sit down and have a glass of wine or a beer a cold beer if it's hot yeah and if you're what's your training now what's your average week of running or like we spoke about before we started recording I've been struggling with an injury for years now that is still undiagnosed so it's been over three years now that I've had a problem with my leg and it, it's still there. It's not getting any better or any worse. Um, I've had every investigation done that you can possibly imagine. In fact, this morning I just got the results from an MRI that I had on my hip, um, which again has showed that there's not really anything going on there. So they don't know what's causing the pain. But over the three years, I've had various different people giving me their opinions and advising me what I should and shouldn't do and basically nothing is really working so I've had a long time off of running but now I've probably been back into running for about four months now maybe a little bit more um and I'm just running through the pain but obviously not being ridiculous at the moment I'm probably only doing about two and a half hours of running a week I'm running with a club and they go out on a Tuesday and Thursday evening for an hour so I do that with them and then maybe do another half an hour at some point but if I do much more than that it's just Too it's just more painful. pain than I really want to be having yeah. but if I do it less than that then my mental health suffers so it's a real fine line trying to find that balance between physical and mental health when you've got an injury um, I don't really want to go back to a position where I'm not running again especially as my my leg isn't getting any better or any worse so it doesn't seem to matter what I do it's still there so I just kind of think at the moment well if it makes me feel better in myself then I'm going to run 
So you, a bike cycling doesn't make much difference either. No, it's so um, cycling. If I cycle like a training session, like if I went hard on my bike, then it hurts my leg possibly more than running does. But I I use my bike to get around. I live in Christchurch. It's a very flat city, so I ride everywhere just to be eco friendly, um, and that's fine. So that's another bit of exercise that I get. That's just kind of like riding around when I have to do jobs and going to work and stuff. What made but, you yeah. settle in Christchurch? So, because you did say you was in New Zealand yeah, earlier. So, so. Um, I've been living in um, Queenstown up until four months ago when I made the move here, and the move was pretty much based financially, really. Like Queenstown, I don't know if you've ever been. It's the most beautiful place on earth. No, I've only been to the north part myself. Oh, okay. Yeah, Queenstown's like it's in the mountains. There's a lake in the middle. It's just spectacular like if you're a mountain lover it's paradise um and i would have loved to have stayed there forever but it's just so expensive i can't afford to live there especially as i wanted to take time off work to get this children's book done so that i could put full-time effort into that so i basically moved to christchurch because it's cheaper and i've still got good access to hills not necessarily mountains but hills so yeah, are you are you permanent there then it's or are you there for a two-year visa or uh no i've got my residency in new zealand so i'm planning on staying here and you've got um, the heat yeah, <laughs> it's got a win -win. yeah i mean we do have pretty epic winters here as well but um not as wet as the uk i don't think and how what about earthquakes that's not yeah, you know not that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the earth literally does move for you down there yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah thankfully fingers crossed i haven't been any massive ones yet so the focus at the moment is to try and sort out your leg focus yeah. on the children books and then hopefully in the future we do see another big adventure but oh. i do as a female runner i do hope that you do consider writing <laughs> your story because i know for one i would love to read it and find out but if you can just to round off just share where people, all your social medias, you know, where people can find you and yeah, find out yeah, themselves so a bit more. Oh, thanks. I'm on um, Facebook and Instagram. I was on Twitter, but I'm not really using it anymore. So yeah, Emma Timmis on Facebook and Instagram. And if you are interested in looking at any of my artwork, then Emma Timmis Artist on Facebook and Instagram as well. I hope you enjoyed this week's Running Tales podcast. Please, please, please leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. It helps other people find us so that they can listen too. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week for another Running Tale.